Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about cowardly McConnell killing the GOP, Senators Cruz and Hawley being secretly mugged, new plans for this show, America Can We Talk? And America didn't vote for this. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. You know, there's a really interesting thought about what exactly is the duty or the responsibility of elected officials in both parties to whom do they owe loyalty? Uh, is it absolute? You know, what should they do? Because right now we have in the in the Senate now the minority leader, uh, Mitch McConnell. But we have Mitch McConnell, um, who has served as the Senate Majority Leader for the Republicans. You know, he's been in the leadership role for the Republicans in the Senate you know, a very long time, and sometimes challenged. I think kind of a you know underground conversation, but uh, remains in that position. But I want to talk about what he is doing and his failure to grasp the stakes, the consequences, the potential for what is happening to America by how he's handling certain things. We just all watched the country go through elections. We had, you know, of course, tumultuous elections, tumultuous conduct after the elections. Uh, we had, you know, the Democrats moving forward to try to impeach a president who's already out of office to impeach him him for uh, the attack on the Capitol on January 6th, uh, despite many, many shortcomings in the claim that he was responsible for that. And you have Mitch McConnell, who is, you know, on the one hand, to give him a little bit of credit, or maybe a lot of credit, he did lead the charge on getting more conservative justices seated in the federal judiciary at the district court level, the appeal, appellate court level, Supreme Court. He did lead that charge, a unique and important job for the Senate to confirm uh, federal court judges nominated by the president. But, you know, we talked in the show recently a lot, and we've been saying more and more recently that where we are in America today is not so much, you know, Republican versus Democrat as two, you know, political parties, both on the American playing field. You know, we have the Democrat Party, which is at now off the cliff to Marxism. We're going to be having a big talk about that next week, but off a cliff to Marxism, absolutely taking advantage of every potential avenue to gain more control and power over the federal government, over the American people, over the industry in this country. It's a, it's a massive power grab the left is engaged in. But the real division in America today is not so much between the two political parties as between the ruling class in Washington, made up of both parties, and the people the people who got energized during the Trump campaign in 2016 and during the four years of Trump's presidency got energized and re-engaged with the idea that they have a role to play in America, that the American people are actually the sovereign in this country and that we, the people, the 75 million plus Americans who voted for Trump, they are the ones who want to find someone in Washington who represents their interests now that Trump is out. So you look at Mitch McConnell and you look at the playing field he's facing in Washington. You have the Democrats who just, they are on, you know, scorched earth, destroy everything that Donald Trump did, everything that he, uh, every policy, every person who dared to support him in any way, try to make sure that they, people who supported him, encourage him, are doxxed at every level, are exposed, are can't find jobs, are humiliated. I, I mean, the, the effort to, you've heard numerous people on the left actually make allusions to maybe people who supported Trump ought to go off to re-education camps. So then you look at where Mr. McConnell sits today. He is surrounded by the Democrat Party, filled on the House side with absolutely avid, open socialists. We, we have the squad, they're still all, all re-elected. So you have uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, Rashida Tlaib. You have the whole gang of the, uh, the squad still there. Um, Ayanna Presley, uh, Rashida Tlaib, and they were joined now by Cori Bush. These would be good targets for Mitch McConnell, where he'd have uh, an opportunity to make 
public comments about the makeup of America, the threat to America. You know, these people would, should deserve his scorn. In addition, there are people he could be, he, Mitch McCall, could be criticizing. Uh, people such as Maxine Waters, who actually truly did encourage citizens to attack politicians and their families and their employees, anyone who supported Trump, actually encouraged them. No consequence to her. He could be attacking Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Barbara Lee, other extremists on the left. Washington's filled with them, filled with them. But Mitch McConnell is telling you, telling us where he stands in the real division in America, the ruling elite and the masses in America who are now looking for someone to stand up for them as President Trump did. Mitch McConnell is happily joining the elites. He is signaling that in a variety of ways and he is in the process truly harming the Republican Party. I will start with, he launched off in a very ugly diatribe against a first term, a new member of Congress on the Republican side, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, a Republican from Georgia. On the plus side of Marjorie Greene, she has been very strong and repeatedly saying that she is very sure, as really literally millions of Americans are, that President Trump actually won Georgia, that there were all sorts of shenanigans involved in the election in Georgia. So she's been saying that, outspoken. She is a supporter of, and apparently, Q or QAnon, to make very clear, I don't read Q. I don't even know how to find Q. I don't want to know how to find Q. I don't read. I don't listen. I don't, I just, I understand that QAnon or Q, whatever it is, sways a lot of people. Not me. Don't read that person, whoever it is, don't know. But Marjorie Taylor Greene does, is a QAnon supporter. And she has apparently in previous public postings on uh, social media made comments about or, or claims about events or instances, whatever it is uh, that she's saying that are part of what Q says. And for which she is routinely and regularly you know, obliterated, excoriated by the left, by the Democrats, by the media. I mean, there's plenty of attention paid to her if you're trying to be negative. Mitch McConnell does not need to be piling on. It's a sign to you he doesn't understand that we're in an ideological war at the very least. We're in an ideological war for this country, a war for the future of freedom versus a, a country that's just over the cliff to government controlled society and the loss of freedom ending up in communism. He doesn't see that because he weighs in to criticize Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is votes correctly, votes on the conservative side the way that he would want someone to vote and her, whatever her shortcomings are or things he thinks are her shortcoming, leave that to the Democrats. They're, they're doing a great job attacking her. He doesn't need to be piling on. He should be piling on uh, and criticizing the people who are actually working against the agenda of America. And this is another reason it was very troublesome. He cannot that he weighed in to criticize her. What his job is, is to defend the idea of America the founding ideas of America, the country rooted in freedom, to hold on to freedom and free markets, strong national defense, secure borders, all those things that his party stands for, that's his job. Not to pick on someone, even that if though that person may have ideas that he finds uh, distasteful, and I'm not defending her ideas, I don't agree with some of the things she says either, but it's not his job. His job to be critiquing her, it's his job to defend America. Similarly, he weighed in in defense of Liz Cheney, who her comment, and you realize that it's Liz Cheney's comment in voting to impeach President Trump, one of the few Republicans who chose to, to vote to impeach President Trump in the second time related to the January 6th attack in the Capitol, Liz Cheney's acerbic statement she put out was so impactful that the Democrats used it in their opening statement on Trump's impeachment in the Senate. I want you to think about that. So, I mean, in the House, so impactful, so ugly against President Trump that her comments were used by the Democrats to support their impeachment. And so Mitch McConnell has weighed in in defense of Liz Cheney, someone who does not grasp, who got frankly caught up in a little bit of a, a, a childish, um, you know, territorial annoyance with the president because she disagreed with him on some policy, but she actually weighed in supported the impeachment of the president 
And Mitch McConnell, again, not knowing which side of the aisle he stands on, not understanding the war we're facing, not understanding that the left is impeaching Trump, not because they think he did anything wrong, but because they see it as another opportunity to destroy the conservative agenda, to destroy the, the idea of the Trump agenda, the pro-America, America first agenda. Mitch McConnell is telling you he has no, has no clue, has no clue about why the Democrats are pushing so hard to impeach Trump. They're not pushing to impeach Trump because they really think that January 6th was his fault. Then they think it's partially his fault. They just see it as another chance to destroy him, destroy the America First agenda. And Liz Cheney stupidly voted to support that. And Mitch McConnell, again, not understanding the playing field, weighs in on her side. Last thing you have, we now are going to have in the Senate, and I'll get to this in just a moment, there's going to be a trial or a star chamber hearing, we'll hit that in just a moment, about Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, solely based on the fact that they decided to exercise their statutory right as senators to review on January 6th the Electoral College votes and decided, those two senators decided, that some of the states, who, by the way, the, the, the uh, state legislators of those states were asking Congress, saying, please send Electoral College votes back to us. You know, we're concerned we didn't do it right. We're concerned there was cheating. Please send them back. Cruz and Hawley, clearly within their statutory rights, voted to do that. And they are now facing a trial with the goal of expelling them from the Senate. And you do not hear Mitch McConnell defending them as he should be. In closing the first five, Mitch McConnell has no idea what time it is in America. No idea the battle lines being drawn. No idea of the ferocity and evil of the American left. No idea what the left is doing is not just trying to put one more, you know, coffin peg in the uh, Trump presidency, but trying to push forward their agenda, their mission. They finally got control to radically, in, in, in a most ugly way, transform America. Mitch McConnell is not helping his side, not helping the Trump base, not helping the 75 million voters who voted to reelect President Trump. He's helping the enemies trying to destroy the Trump agenda. Mitch McConnell is way past clueless. And this, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. Um, I want to um, turn and just talk a little bit about Senator Cruz and Josh Hawley. Uh, there was a clip. I went to grab the clip, and I decided not to use it. But Senator Cruz, who is from the great state of Texas, um, Senator Cruz was interviewed recently, and he was uh, asked about, you know, the, the whole, everything that's going on in the, in the Senate right now, how the January 6th attack on the Congress, or attack on the Capitol occurred, uh, the House immediately moved with no due process, no investigation, nothing at all. Just the House Democrat majority saw it as an opportunity to uh, further attack President Trump. So they went for an impeachment, you know, and, and got the impeachment passed in the House. It's now over in the Senate. It's sitting in the Senate side. And that trial is apparently going to begin. Um, we'll see if it actually happens. I still have had a vague thought the Democrats might drop it for a variety of reasons. But in any case, that's about to happen. In addition, the Democrats, some Democrat senators, are urging that Senator Cruz and Senator Hawley be actually, the, the mission they have, is of uh, the Democrats have, is to expel Cruz and Hawley from the Senate for having the audacity to exercise their statutory right to challenge Electoral College votes. To be very clear, federal law provides this remedy when there are problems with the Electoral College votes, which there were this year. Extreme, significant problems, massive allegations of election fraud, great concern expressed by Republicans in the legislatures and the states in question trying to raise the, raise the flag and say, wait, 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 something's really wrong here, send it back. These two, Cruz and Hawley, decided they agreed with some of the challenges that had been made for a variety of reasons to the accuracy, legitimacy, electoral college votes. And for that, they are being brought up on the, in this effort to have a vote to expel them from the Senate. And I want to make clear what else they're doing, which is just so grotesquely unfair. In any other context, in any other context in law, everyone understands 
you don't hold someone liable criminally or even civilly for the actions of others which they had no way of knowing would happen. What the Democrats are trying to say is because Cruz and Hawley announced they were going to challenge the Electoral College votes, and on the day of that, that uh, event in Congress, when they were having the, that meeting, there was a, a breach of the Capitol, attack on the Capitol, that somehow because Cruz and Hawley were deciding that they're gonna send Electoral College votes back, or voted to do that, it didn't happen, but they voted to do that, that they somehow should be held responsible for the, uh, for the attack on the Capitol by people that they don't know, didn't set up, no allegation of connection between Cruz and Hawley and anyone who breached the Capitol, anyone who entered the building, no allegation of connection or coordination between them. They're saying because somebody else did something later over which you had no responsibility or control, you, Cruz and Hawley, should be held responsible. So this effort to remove them is not just because of the Electoral College votes to send some back, it was because later something did something bad, we want something bad, and we want to hold you responsible. So now, fast forward to Cruz, in a, a, uh, an interview recently, he used the language in describing President Trump and President Trump's language during the uh, post-election period, when Trump has said many, many times, you know, uh, I was robbed, we wanted a landslide, this election was rigged. He, and, you know, President Trump made those remarks over and over and over and over. Not out of thin air, but out of a lot of the reasons we talked about in the show before. So Cruz, now being pilloried by the uh, Senate trying to remove him, was saying in an interview, well, you know, he, he thinks Trump was both reckless and irresponsible. He used that language. Cruz used it about Trump, reckless and irresponsible, um, in the, the language he said during his post-election remarks when Trump said many, many times, you know, yeah, um, I was robbed, I won, you know, it wasn't fair, there was, there was election fraud. So, uh, and then he also went on to say, Cruz went on to say, and President Trump did not prove election fraud in any court. Well, of course he didn't because, you know, no court would hear the case. I want to remind this for those of you people who are, I'm not revisiting that issue right now about election fraud. I'm making the point that what Trump, what uh, Cruz was saying was, look, you know, he didn't prove the case in any court, which is of course true because no court would agree to hear the case. So it's a factually correct statement. Well, people on the conservative side are pillorying uh, Senator Cruz. That's it. He's done. He didn't defend Trump. I have to say, in the context of where we are right now, Cruz's statement's accurate that, you know, Trump didn't prove his, the election fraud in any court for the reason I said, because court wouldn't hear it. Um, and you know, he, Cruz, may think that Trump was too bold and audacious in continuing to challenge election fraud. I have to say, Cruz is facing not just you know the wrath of the Senate. I mean, you, you, it's so interesting. You, I think most of us have no idea what it's like to actually be in Washington and be at the, the center of attention and often very negative attention from the uh, radical, relentless, ugly Democrat media mob that is forever and a day attacking anyone who won't agree with them you know, it, it probably gets tiring and exhausting. And so I, I, I'm not, I'll say this moment, I'm deciding, I think probably Cruz is just responding to all that context. But now we're gonna move over to where this is gonna happen. This, uh, and they're calling it a star chamber, which is a really uh, good historical analogy to make. People are talking this, what the Senate's gonna do. Uh, it's, it's like a private hearing, a private hearing for the Senate to review what Cruz and Hawley are, are, are you know, being charged with, which is basically, you know, kind of how dare you, um, you know, not go along with, how, how dare you challenge, how dare you upset things, and then you, uh, so, you know, it's a, um, it's a very ugly thing that the Senate is doing, a star chamber, you're hidden from the, uh, people can say things they maybe wouldn't say when the cameras are rolling, they can make accusations when the cameras are rolling. I mean, so it's a very, very creepy, creepy thing that the Senate is setting up to expel people. And I gotta tell you, friends, there have plenty of senators in the past who have challenged the accuracy, legitimacy of electoral college votes. Democrat senators, Republicans never do this to them. 
that Clipley played last week or two weeks ago with Rand Paul was exactly right. Republicans don't engage in this. This is what I mean about the level of war we're in and why I'm so down on Mitch McConnell, because he doesn't understand the war. The Democrats go for blood. They go for death at every chance. Republicans sit back and recognize that someone in the Senate had the right to challenge electoral college vote, and they don't, they don't take action against that person. But the Democrats, given a chance to excoriate, humiliate, and hold, they, and they're not going to get them removed. It's not going to happen. But it's the concept of being willing to go ahead and push that. That is so ugly. And it helps you understand where we are in this war. This is a war, at very least an ideological war in America, to hold on to this country. And it is profoundly important for people on the conservative side to recognize that our conservative representatives, our Republicans in Washington, are under tremendous pressure. I, you know, I, I, I want them to stand up and do the right thing at every turn, at every turn. Uh, but they are under tremendous pressure. One more little piece on, on Ted Cruz and, and great de um, defense of him and what his proposal was. When the electoral votes were coming to Congress and for the January 6th you know, meeting where they go open them all, he had proposed, why don't we just appoint a commission? Just like happened in America in the late 1800s, I forgot the exact year, but there was at that time a commission because he's saying there's so much concern about vote fraud, whatever it is, 40% of Americans think the election was fraudulent. It's something like that. 40% overall of Americans and over half Republicans think the election was fraudulent. So why don't we appoint a commission, you know, with representatives from both parties to sit down and look at the evidence? Why not do that? This was Ted Cruz's proposal. So for those down on him, he did try to come with some idea beyond just rejecting electoral college votes or accepting them. He actually did the kind of thing you'd want a lawyer or judge to say, which is, let's get to the truth. Can we figure out the truth here? Why can't we have a commission? Tried to offer that. Uh, didn't go anywhere. But I, I do think the people... Um, I think it's a little harsh to jump on Ted Cruz because of his language, his conversation about Trump, because he really did try to do the right thing in getting a commission to look at both sides. But yet what we're watching, if you step back the big picture, what we're watching in Washington, we're watching on display the astonishing, relentless, endless effort of the Democrat Party to not just establish that they won the election and move forward to absolutely eviscerate the Republican Party, the Trump agenda, the Trump supporters, the absolutely eviscerate anyone who dares to challenge their authority. And so we need fighters in Washington. We need them right now. And both Senator Cruz and Josh Hawley were fighters. And for that, I'm grateful. Okay, um, I want to turn to the next segment today. I just want to talk about this show a little bit. And some things are uh, changing. And I wanted to tell you about that ahead of time. To start with, um, I've been doing this show in this studio. Well, I've been doing this show, I counted the other day, I was writing an email to somebody. Uh, I've been doing this show since um, like the middle of 2014. But it used to be once a week for a long time on Salem Radio. And then I had the, uh, I made the decision to pull it away from Salem and bring it to this studio. One of the many reasons was I'd have more airtime more time to talk with you. So it's four days a week since the beginning of 2019. So we're coming up on two years and about another week, or maybe we just, I think we've been on two years now here. And, um, and the show is entirely dedicated to preserving America, to, to speaking up for the ideas of America, to try to explain. Uh, my legal background has helped me a great deal. My, um, my educational background in loving America, the constitution, the declaration, the meaning of the ideas of America. And my legal education has been helpful, my background, my political activity. I feel like all of my background kind of got me to where I am right now, which is I am part of the effort to preserve and protect this most extraordinary nation in American history, in, in the world history, this most extraordinary nation dedicated to preserving the liberty of the individual, the right of the individual to live in freedom, and based on all the ideas that the founders came up with. And so we are at this place we're in 2021 now. We're at this place where America, the you know, the is just deeply divided. And again, the people want you to think is Democrat versus Republican. It's really not. It's the ruling elite in Washington and the masses of Americans who want the pro-America, pro-America first agenda. Whether Trump is president or not, 
That's the agenda people want, and I agree with that agenda. That idea, that restoration, the idea of America, it is vital to the future and preservation of America. So this show has never had uh, you know, advertisements. I don't have advertisements. I've had a, a very generous sponsor uh, who is uh, slowly moving away, uh, not with any bad problem but, or any problem at all, but just ne needing to move on from being a significant sponsor. We've had other people donating, so, but what I'm getting at is this. We're gonna move to a different system in March. And that is, we'll still have the Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday shows, the, the first three days of the week, will be for everybody, as I'm doing today and have done for over two years, it's at 3 p.m. Central Time, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. We have it on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. It's on my website, which you can listen to on my website. It was a great change uh, due to the help of the Real News PR team here. Got the show available on the website. And then we are putting it onto many of the new social media platforms where they don't censor, like Rumble and like, um, so there's Rumble and there's also um, Gab and we're, we're continuing to find when Parler, which I thought was coming back and now I'm here is not going to come back. I don't know what's going to happen there, but we're going to continue to post it on the new platforms. We're going to keep this show going. I am going to be defending America to my last breath. That's my plan. But in order to help support this show, we are going to move to a situation, new plan in March, which means that on the Thursday show, the last show of the week, the Thursday show will be a members only show. Membership is going to be inexpensive, $25 a year. We'll have this set up on our website, americachemitalk.org. Uh, during this month of February, we'll get it set up, $25 a year. And then the Thursday show will be just for members. And the advantages of being a member is that you can see the show on Thursday, a very wonderful guest, but also be more interactive. You can send in questions. And so it'll be like a conversation with our listeners. The whole show, I'm not gonna do a first five and present stories. We're gonna, it's gonna be a conversation, often with a good guest. Um, and just more of a chance to really have this dialogue about preserving America. So members only starting in March, $25 a year, and you'll be able to submit questions. The way you'll submit questions is part of this technology that I've been telling you about, I'm so grateful for, it's called Raindrop. And all it really involves is if you are a member, or anyone can do this, member or not member, but if you're a member, you can use the Raindrop technology and you'll send in your question during the show. You, so during the show, you can say, hey, I wanna hear, you know, what do you think about the latest thing that you know, so-and-so did? What do you think about this new bill? Whatever the subjects are, very open-ended. It'll be a conversation between us, those who love America, those who are working on preserving America. Uh, it'll be a conversation among us. And uh, you'll be able to send questions in via email. You can all email me at americacanwetalk at gmail.com. You can email me and I'll just bring a sack of questions in. You know, here's a question from so-and-so. I won't read your name on air. I'll just say, you know, Jill in Milwaukee or whatever. Uh, so I'll have a sack of questions emailed in. I have literally hundreds backed up of questions people have sent in. So I'll probably bring those too. But you can send in live questions uh, using the Raindrop technology. You just sit there watching the show on the website. The only way you'll get to watch the membership show is on the website. And you can send a question in. Um, and you just send it your little cell phone, Raindrop technology. Um, you'll text it into that number. And Matt the Wonderful will be able to read the question and say, oh, here's somebody, and let me know the questions. So we're moving to that in March. Uh, just one day a week. The Thursday show is for members only on the website. I also want to encourage you that this raindrop technology that I've been talking about is a really great way for us to stay connected if I were to experience more censorship from social media. If you listen to the show all the time, you realize that my I uh, had a one-week timeout on YouTube, um, and so I'm very you know, trying to keep the show live and trying to be seen on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. Um, and, and so we're back on track there, but I don't want to lose any of you who are regular listeners. If you're a YouTube subscriber, and I have, I have many, 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 many YouTube subscribers, I urge you, I implore you, if this is where you listen to my show, go to my website, americachemitalk.org, and on that website, hit the word, you can do two things on the website, but hit the word subscribe. 
because if you subscribe on my website, I'll have your email address. I'll send you a once a week email, but if the show is gone from YouTube, you'll still be getting a once a week email from me and telling you how to find the show. And so if you're a YouTube subscriber, I just implore you to subscribe to the show at our website, americacanwetalk.org. Hit that subscribe button. I, I get a little note. I get, you'll get a once weekly email from me and it'll continue to tell you how to find the show. Same thing if you subscribe on the raindrop thing. Send in, and all you do in raindrop is you send a message to 53445. 5344, this will come up later in a, in a slide, you'll see it. But 53445, and just type the word America in the, subject, in the message. That's all you have to do. I'll have those people, and I'll be able to communicate with you that way, especially if we are taking off other forms of social media. I can tell you how to find the show. So that was a little bit of a picture of future plans, membership coming. Please subscribe to the newsletter, especially if you listen to me and anywhere else, so you'll know, we can stay in touch. Please also subscribe. Information about subscribing, all that will come up later uh, in the show. In fact, let me, um, yeah, actually, we'll, we'll bring it up later. We have the slides later, so that's all we'll do about it right now. So I'm going to hit one more topic today. But that, the whole last thing, to close up the last thing, I just think in this era of censorship and the growing, we've talked before in the show about the combination of uh, extremely, um, the growing power of the social media tech giants to shut down speech, shut down conservatives, and now they have in Washington the left-wing power, the left wing of America is completely in power, controls the White House, the House, and the Senate, growing intolerance for political opposition already being expressed in a variety of ways. So you have growing intolerance of, of free speech from the government, the social media giants, are also happily joining in that suppression of political opposition to liberal to the left. Uh, and then you also have corporate America, in some ways, going along with it too. So the voices of, and this isn't just because my, just my little show, this is the idea that in America, we're supposed to be able to have the free and robust exchange of ideas, actual political conversation, and people who are don't agree with the government are supposed to be able to speak, especially like my show, where I'm just talking about preserving America. I'm talking about preserving this most extraordinary country. It is time for Americans to recognize how very much the very idea of America, the foundational ideas of America are under threat. So I urge you to do that, uh, to, uh, get, to get connected on Raindrop, Text in where you'll see the information later. Subscribe on the website. And especially if you're a YouTube or you're a Facebook follower, either one, get on the newsletter list so I can stay in touch with you if I'm pulled off of YouTube or Facebook. Okay, enough of that. So I, I'm going to start a series of things. I told you I, um, I, I, I'm kind of a visual learner myself. I kind of, or I, I remember things better if I see something visually. So I wanted to start just talking about, I called it America didn't vote for this. And I'm going to be laying out many different um, topics in which what I'm saying is, even though whatever number of people actually voted for the Biden-Harris ticket, millions of Americans did not vote for what they're going to do to this country. I think you had, you had a fair number, hard to you know, tabulate, but you had a fair number who voted for Biden-Harris because they don't like President Trump. Or they thought, I kind of like President Trump, but things seem so tumultuous. Maybe things will settle down here if I go ahead and vote for Biden. You know, kind of help the country get past this tumultuous period. I, I, I believe, and I, it's impossible for us to ever know, what percentage of Americans actually went along with what Biden wanted uh, and actually chose him because they liked the policies versus just decided to go anti-Trump. It's also true, I dug up something, I forgot to bring it in today, but I saw something right after the, after the Democrats' convention this year, which of course is very weird this year because of COVID, it was remote and all that. Even CNN commented after the Democrat uh, convention that they had all these people getting up and, and you know, saying what a great guy, Biden is a great guy, we love Biden, I've known him since I was seven, he's wonderful. CNN commented, you really didn't hear anything about what the Biden agenda is. CNN said that. They said, you know, you kind of heard, well, he's a really swell guy, we really like him, which is not the same thing as what he's going to do. So I'm gonna hit, and this America didn't vote for this, I, want, I will do more this frequently throughout this next four years, the kinds of things I think America didn't vote for. 
One has to do with energy policy. And I want, you likely saw that among the, the very first, I think it was the very first day, uh, the first list of executive orders that Biden signed uh, was that he uh, signed on the one saying uh, that he's going to end the Keystone Pipeline. He canceled the Keystone Pipeline. So, you know, I know that the Keystone Pipeline has been a very trendy issue, a very uh, on-point issue for the radical environmentalist movement, for the real environmentalists who would happily eliminate all fossil fuel tomorrow. They have been on, you know, end fossil fuel, get rid of Keystone Pipeline, you know, cut it off now. It's a, a big kind of a, a galvanizing issue. And so Biden, you know, so we're, we got it going again under President Trump. And we, since he signed an early order in 2017 saying, let's get this thing built, let's get rolling. Uh, because previous to that, Obama had signed something saying, an executive order saying, we're not doing the pipeline. Trump comes in and says, yes, we are doing the pipeline. So Biden's saying, no, we're not. But I don't think what people understand, I think what people don't understand about what Biden did, I, I want to share a few things that happened under the Trump administration and how these things will change. America became energy independent under the Trump administration. A fabulous feat, fabulous accomplishment, because they, because then we don't have to rely on foreign sources for oil. In fact, we became a net oil exporter because of fracking. And so you have now, the, the Biden administration has gotten rid of Keystone Pipeline, and, and, and you, there was a press conference. I'm gonna ask Matthew Wonderful to play. Uh, John Kerry, former Senator John Kerry, uh, has a new title in the Biden administration. He's like energy czar or something like that. I wanna ask Matt to play that clip and then we'll talk about it. There very, certainly are oil and gas industry workers who are watching you both right now who will hear the message that's, that the takeaway to them is that they are seeing an end to their livelihoods. Uh, what, what do you say to them, particularly those people who, who President Trump struck a chord with on the campaign trail when he promised to save their jobs? What is your message to them right now? And also to the oil industry executives who are listening, are you putting them on notice today? Well, we didn't come here to put anybody on notice except to the seriousness of uh, President Biden's intent to uh, do what needs to be done to deal with this crisis. And it is a crisis. Um, with respect to uh, those workers, no, no two people are more uh, in this room are more concerned about it. And the president of the United States has expressed in every comment he has made about uh, climate the need to uh, grow the new jobs that pay better, that are cleaner, that I mean, you know. Okay, I will get back to that in a minute. Remember that. He's saying cleaner jobs. He goes on and on about they're going to get, you know, solar panel jobs. I'm going to get back to that in a minute. But I want to just focus on what I'm saying America didn't vote for. That, this decision, this stroke of a pen, you know, uh, by President Biden resulted in the immediate ending uh, disruption of 1,000 jobs. I mean, people actually employed in America, statement put out by the Distribution Contractors Association, 1,000 jobs gone. So that's, you know, multiply out 1,000 people who had jobs on the pipeline, who get a paycheck, who take it home, and so they use it to buy, you know, to pay their mortgage and their rent and put food on the table and to, to, to live their life. So that was 1,000 people say, oh, okay, well, 1,000, maybe it's not that bad. But the, the projected very soon in the coming year was supposed to be 10,000 more jobs. 10,000 jobs because the pipeline, you have to have people to build it. You have to have people to transport the equipment to bring what they need. I mean, there's, it's just filled with jobs that are now gone. And so then, okay, say, well, yeah, but, you know, uh, we're going to put them off into other jobs. I'll come back to the other job, malarkey malarkey in just a moment so 10,000 jobs gone but on top of that on top of that just kind of uh, number of jobs is that the growing number of people who are going to be impacted because the Biden administration in their kind of you know pat on the head or to thank the environmental extremists who got on on board with them who, who backed him so that he's thanking them the Biden administration is going to end up, I don't know if they have already eliminated fracking, but they're going to attack fracking. They're going to add regulation. They've already talked about uh, re-entering, you know, the climate deal, which when you're in, in the climate deal, 
you end up being forced to cut back on fossil fuel if you comply with the deal, if you comply with the terms, forced to cut back, and so you're continuing cut back. And by the way, if you don't know this, uh, how many jobs um, came from, um, let me back up, what percentage of the energy used in America, what percent of the energy used in America comes from oil and um, from oil, gas, and coal, three things that the, the left just hates and wants to destroy. What percent of the energy we use in this country comes from those? 80%, eight, zero. So 80% of the energy we need, that we need to function, comes from oil, gas, and coal. What percent comes from wind and solar? Less than five. Wind and solar combined provides less than 5% of the energy consumed in America. So all this you know, happy talk about, oh yeah, we're gonna have new jobs, wind and solar. It, it's just malarkey. It is just you know, left-wing fantasy that is designed to make people not feel bad about the fact that they just killed a bunch of jobs. And then they have you know, stories about towns along the way or where the, where the pipeline was gonna end up in Nebraska. They have this town now decimated. Because the town has built up, you know, they got hotels, they got, they got uh, restaurants, they, have, they are going to be able to provide for the needs of families whose livelihood is based on, this, the, on having the pipeline completed and ending up in this town. So you have 80% of America's energy coming from oil, uh, gas, and coal, less than 5% on, um, on the renewables of, of wind and solar. So let me just ask you this too, think about this. Even if Biden could, you know, for somehow quadruple, four times the production of wind and solar energy, he still wouldn't even be meeting 25% of our energy needs in this country. I mean, it's just this left-wing, you know, fantasy thinking that people hear the words and they think, oh, that sounds nice. Yeah, wind and solar, that's really great. But the American people did not vote for this. They didn't vote for unemployed Americans who were creating energy, which we need for our country to function. They did not vote to have reliance on fantasy energy in wind and solar, which can not supply our transportation needs, our housing needs, our heating needs. Our, it, it just, it, it can't happen. And the other thing that happens is, once you diminish the amount of oil and gas available to America, is that you drive up the cost of a gallon of gas. And so you're going to be a family who used to think, we're gonna get in the car and drive on vacation to wherever it is. Well, if your gas right now is right around $2.50, and if it's up to $4, $5, doubles your whole expense of your vacation. Doesn't matter to Mr. John Kerry, who jets around, you know, Mr. Kazillionaire, who jets around the world in his private jet, telling citizens they shouldn't drive their cars but to the average Joe, the average American, the 75 million Trump voters, they look around, they see what these kind of things do to their people, their communities. So you have a ridiculous assertion. I'll tell you one thing Kerry said in that press conference, I didn't play the whole thing. He actually went on to acknowledge, this is after he is defending, shutting down the pipeline, ending jobs. He went on to say that almost 90% of the planet's emissions, global emissions, that they're so worried about the climate change, global emissions come from outside the US borders, acknowledging, he goes on to acknowledge, we can go to zero tomorrow and it wouldn't change much of anything. So we take away jobs, we make people pretend that there's gonna be some fancy jobs that I'm gonna get to next and tell you, and, and, and we're not really changing anything about global emissions, in fact, the biggest polluters are building more factories that pollute more. So you have, this is what I'm saying Biden voters didn't vote for. But I wanna just hit last point in this um, topic for today. I went back and looked at the promises made by President Obama as he was saying, oh, energy jobs, yeah, yeah, you know, we're gonna eliminate, uh, we're gonna move to whatever his promise was. I can't remember exactly, it was in 2000, well, before that, 2008, he promised um, that we were gonna have, you know, we had this massive, massive uh, spending bill out of Congress, and that was gonna create energy jobs in, in new energy, in clean energy, in so, and, and, and wind and solar, new energy, and don't worry, it's all gonna be great, and millions of new jobs. He promised five million new jobs. 
Okay, so let's just talk about what actually happened under Obama. So he makes his promise. In fact, he had, uh, anyway, he, he makes his promise, first of all, about green jobs that are going to emerge. In fact, I got to ask Matt the Wonderful to put up a quick picture. This is Obama standing outside of a, um, fa a uh, plant. Okay, look at the great picture there. What's behind him, what's behind President Obama um, are uh, solar panels. And so he's bragging about, isn't this a beautiful thing? Look at all these solar panels. Keep the picture up while I tell you this. This is Copper Mountain Solar Project near Las Vegas. It provides, so it looks like a really cool backdrop. Wow, look at all this solar energy. This place produces a, produced a million solar panels, one million solar panels, enough energy to power, okay, one million solar panels, enough energy to power 17,000 homes. One million panels, 17,000 homes. And because they have all those solar panels powering 17,000 homes, I don't know what percentage that is of the homes in Las Vegas. This is near, near Las Vegas, but it's, it's nil. It's nothing. And the number of people employed at that plant, you know, this new energy is going to have all these jobs. The number of people it takes to keep that place running with a 1 million solar panels that only help 17,000 people, 17,000 homes, employs 10 people. 10 my point in all this is that it's wonderful fantasy spewing from the left to say we're going to move to clean energy and we're going to eliminate this evil oil and gas and coal. There is not sufficient power to be created by solar and wind. Not even close. Not even close. And we've had other times on the show talk, but have experts on who describe how you have to have enough solar panels in America, enough windmills in America, given the relatively minute amount of power the windmills produce and the solar panels capture, the, I mean, minute amount of power, you'd have to have the open and free area of America covered with windmills and solar panels, and you wouldn't even be close to what happens with the use of the abundantly available oil, shale, uh, natural gas in America and coal. You wouldn't even come close. But yet, it was okay with the Biden administration and the Obama administration. Oh, I, I could just regale you with data from the Obama administration. All these promises, uh, promising 5 million new jobs, and they, they finally had to. I mean, numerous people were pointing out it didn't really create 5 million new jobs. There's going to be 150, in fact, a 2008 campaign trail promised the Obama. 150 billion investment would generate 5 million jobs over 10 years. And they always have the same language Biden uses, same language all the leftists put out, the environmental groups. Oh, yeah, you know, it might cost so much, but millions of jobs and all these people in clean energy. They never come to fruition because it doesn't make economic sense and because it doesn't take that many people once you have the plant built, like the plant we just saw doesn't take people to run a solar plant, which have a bunch of, of solar panels sitting out there in the desert taking in sun, which is a wonderful thing. But it doesn't meet the needs of America. It meets the needs of the radical left to make them feel good. And it meets the needs of the left who wants the votes of people who aren't paying attention to the fact that what they're saying makes no sense. I mean, I'll tell you, um, there was also Obama very quickly in 2012 when he ran. Uh, he ran on his and he ran again after this first promise. Um, he promised. He said actually he'd gotten two seven that the, in the course of his first four years with this massive uh, influx of solar panel and uh, natural energy jobs, he had pr produced 2.7 million workers. 2.7 million workers, uh, said he in some ad in, in 2012, which was a, a jerry-rigged uh, number. The 2.7 million comes um, from a figure from Brookings Institute, which actually was defining the sector of the economy that produces goods or services with some environmental benefit. It included, for, as one example, the reality, unlike the 2.7 million number, 29,000 people actually worked in solar energy. 29,000. Not 5 million, not 2.5 million, not 2.7 million. 29,000 solar energy. And they even, in this figure they came up with, encompassed a bunch of jobs that weren't really anything to do with windmills or solar panels. 
such as sanitation workers, drivers of buses and subways, and those in waste management. They threw in a bunch of jobs that already existed to come up with still the paltry numbers they have. And I'm going to wrap up because I want to go um, to very quickly, uh, I was going to pile on John Kerry, but out of time. I made a little slide to show you America didn't vote for this. And I want a quick ass map to put that up. America did not vote for this. This is the last thing I sent you. Believe we have, we don't have it. Okay, I'll just read it to you. Okay, there we go. Okay, America did not vote for this. Besides the small environmental extremist faction that would immediately end the use of fossil fuels, America did not vote for loss of a thousand existing energy jobs and 10,000 upcoming related to the canceling of the Keystone Pipeline deal. Loss of energy-related businesses and jobs in America's heartland. Gas prices inevitably will go up from 250 a gallon to four or more a gallon, changing the lives of the average Joe American who can't fly around John Kerry's jet all the time. Green job replacements for energy workers did not happen under Obama. It was a farce and a lie, and it won't happen now. Especially true when 90% of the plant's emissions come from other countries. So, according to Presidential Climate Envoy John Kerry, what America is doing won't solve the problem. America will again become dependent on foreign sources of oil like Saudi Arabia, OPEC nations, and Russia. John Kerry will still fly around his private jet and lecture Americans about driving their cars. To wrap up this segment, and before I turn to the first five, I will tell you this. I love American innovation. I love the idea of companies finding better and better ways to develop solar energy and wind energy and finding ways to make it more effective. I love those ideas. I do not love the idea that the left has used the environmental issue, the climate change issue, to cause Americans to think that we're somehow supposed to have to suffer through insufficient air conditioning, insufficient heating, uh, inability to use your cars, inability to travel as you want or suffer with high prices when America already has abundant energy available. Abundant energy and the, in America, the coal industry, the gas and oil industries have been exemplary in developing cleaner and cleaner ways to to get oil out of the ground, the, the, to get after shale, to get to bring the natural gas out, to work America and, and to clean up coal production, clean coal plants. American's energy industry has worked very hard and very successfully in making the production of traditional energy sources in this country cleaner and better and more efficient. To shut them down, and I'm telling you people, you wait and see what the Green New Deal brings. This is just a tip of the iceberg, what the left will do with the Green New Deal. The idea is because they bought on to this radical climate change concern, they're going to say every bit of misery you suffer, every bit of lack, it's all justified because we're just doing our part. And the American people should not have to suffer because the left wing of America makes up fantasies about how we can all really survive and all be very comfortable with, with wind and solar energy, which produce less than 5% of the energy we need. The left has bought in it, and one last thing on climate change, we'll have to cover climate change another day. I am, and every single American alive, is in favor of clean air and clean water and more efficient use of energy. Everybody loves that. Nobody is in favor of pollution. Nobody, is, nobody is, thinks, is, thinks pollution is irrelevant. Nobody is willing to ignore the pollution uh, that was produced, have been produced in the past in a variety of ways through manufacturing. Everybody's in favor of a clean environment. The left has managed to cause some Americans to think that the only path forward to this nirvana of wind and solar energy is to cut off our comfort level now, cut off our access to oil and gas and coal, to live in discomfort out of the greater good of somehow serving, uh, bringing us to entirely a clean energy, clean fuel, clean energy climate. Uh, no one's against clean energy. I'm against making the American people unnecessarily suffer, and I'm against the left using its agenda of climate change, which ultimately is always about a much larger agenda of buying into the whole globalist, 
climate change agenda, which ends up making the American people lose jobs, lose comfort, pay more for gas, become dependent, sadly, potentially again, on foreign oil, OPEC, and other sources. There's no reason to do that. There's no reason to do that. Americans need to resist the Biden climate agenda thing at the start because it's only going to get more onerous and no one who is pushing these things in the Biden team, most especially John Kerry, is going to suffer a moment of harm. John Kerry is not going to be too cold in the winter, too hot in the summer. He's not going to go without jet fuel for his incredibly exciting uh, you know, personal jet, which he goes around the world on, and his yacht. Nothing, nothing about the way he lives is going to change. It's not just John Kerry. It is the whole ruling elite leftist environmental wacko entity of the world, cabal of the world, who band together, talk about these things, all flying in their private jets, all flying in separately, staying in lavish hotels with every need met, and yet scolding the American people. Why don't you want to pay $5 for a gallon of gas? It is a microcosm of the same thing I'm talking about in terms of the American culture and society. You got the ruling elite who want to decide what everything, not listen to the people, not worry about the impact of policies on the people. And you have the masses who are saying, wait a minute, we actually want energy jobs. We want the pipes, uh, Keystone pipeline. We want our energy jobs back. We want inefficient, we want efficient. We Excuse me, we want to have our, our cars available. We want to have abundant natural gas, abundant gas at the gas stations so we can go about our life and our business. We want the America of the modern world. We, the people, deserve it, not just a ruling class elite who is never going to suffer from the hideous environmental policies they plan to inflict on us. And I close this up. I'm going to go to my White Matters too, but understand the American people did not vote for the misery the Biden environmental policies will bring. They didn't understand it, they didn't vote for it, and they don't want it. I'm end the show by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started our show, our very first start of the show today. We were on Cowardly McConnell killing the GOP. McConnell never fights the left as hard as he fights Republicans he doesn't like. Attacking Marjorie Taylor Greene, not attacking AOC or the squad, supporting Liz Cheney, who voted to impeach the GOP president, who received 75 million votes, silent in the face of Democrat efforts to expel Senators Cruz and Hawley for performing their constitutional and statutory duties. McConnell exemplifies a ruling class. His actions speak louder than his words. His actions suggest America's biggest enemy are the traditional American patriots, the Tea Party, the MAGA crowds, the we, the people. McConnell never has words or actions in support of any of them. And then we talked about, um, after that one, Senators Cruz and Hawley secretly mugged. And by that, I mean mugged by the Star Chamber proceeding in the Senate. Senators Cruz and Hawley raised objections to voting results in states where the state election officials expressed concerns. Cruz proposed a commission to audit, examine the election results, and have both parties live with, uh, live with commission findings which was an effort opposed by the Democrats. Both Cruz and Hawley now are facing secret Senate star chamber proceedings, considering the Democrats' proposal to expel them from the Senate on the grounds that questioning election results is equivalent to promoting riots or insurrection. This is probably why Cruz's recent rhetoric shifted carefully against Trump. But Cruz is fighting for survival in the swamp. But is it worth it? And then new plans for America Can We Talk. Watch my show live at my own website. Safest place it will always be americacanwetalk.org forward slash live. Shows are available on rumble.com. Search under America Can We Talk. They're not live on rumble.com, but they're available afterwards. Text America to 53445 for direct communication with the show. Set up to ask live questions during the special Thursday show that will start in March. Membership coming in March, annual cost $25 to defray costs, prevent ad interruption and clutter. Thursday show for members only, special interviews, live Q&A time. And finally, America didn't vote for this. America's energy supplies in 2020, 80% coal, oil and gas, less than 5% wind and solar. 
John Kerry admission, 90% of the world's carbon emissions are from outside the USA. The reality wind and solar, not job creators at any significant rate, mostly manufactured offshore. Biden kills the Keystone pipeline, 1,000 jobs immediately lost, 10,000 anticipated, unionized, high-paying jobs now terminated. Shift of workers to build solar panels is silly, out of touch, ruling class condescension, not a real option. Is the backlash coming? Americans didn't vote for these energy policies. Americans did not vote for job destruction. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Tune in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can you hear-